Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we thank you for this reminder because, Lord, it's easy to be distracted, and it's easy to get so busy that life gets complicated and we end up celebrating for celebrating sake instead of celebrating with reason. And today we thank you. We thank you that you are the one. So Lord, in the midst of the gift giving and the times with family and friends and the way that we celebrate, Lord, help us to always keep in mind that we celebrate you. Father, I pray too this morning you would speak to us, you would challenge us as we look at a story that we've looked at so many times before that in these moments that we have together, that you would help us to see it with fresh eyes and that, Lord, we would have opportunity today to apply this in a new, fresh way. Lord, help us to see it the way you would want us to see it today. Speak to us once again. It's in your name we pray together. Amen. 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 Well, you can be seated. Thank you uh, so much for being here this morning. My name is Doug. I'm one of the the pastors on staff here at Plum Creek. We're glad that you uh, are with us today. If you're a guest and you haven't had a chance to fill out our contact card, it looks like this one. You'll find it in the chair back in front of you. If you could grab one of those and fill out the information that we ask for on the front, it'd be great to have a record of uh, your visit with us. We'll follow that up with with a letter thanking you for being here and a phone call to see if you might have some questions that that we could answer for you. So thank you for for being here. I want to give a quick shout out to as well to those that are listening to us on our podcast. Thank you for joining us that way. We are in the second week of our of our Christmas series. Excited about this Christmas series. God started showing me some stuff several months ago as I was reading through the story again and I'm just excited to share with you some of the things uh, that we're learning. We started this series Last week, and we've called it Mary's Christmas because we've been looking at statements that Mary made and statements that were made to Mary that we can kind of build on a little bit together during this Christmas season. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Luke. Just turn to, actually, you're going to be, need to be in Luke chapter 2 first, but we're going to flip back and forth between Luke chapter 2 and Luke chapter 1. Maybe you have that on your, on your iPhone or your Android or whatever it is that you've got with you that has the Bible on there. I recommend that, by the way. It's nice to have it that handy. Uh, So make sure that you find one of those apps and and do that. So let me just uh, kind of give you a little bit of a little bit of a background so you can try once again to capture the heart of this Christmas story. Again, it's so familiar to us that I think sometimes we forget that these were real people dealing with real life circumstances that were blowing their minds. And, and some of the things were easy and some of the things were not easy. And we've been looking at Mary's life and the things that were said to her. And no doubt there was some real challenge uh, to the whole, to the whole process that she was going through that first, that first Christmas. So Mary, when we find her is most likely living with her parents in Nazareth in an obscure, insignificant village in lower Galilee. Historians and theologians would say that that first century Nazareth that that Mary lived in was home to about three to four hundred people. Do me a favor, will you? Look around for a second. It's about, we probably have more people in this auditorium today 
than were in her hometown. Think about that. You know what that means, right? Everybody knows everybody. And everybody knows everybody's junk, right? And uh, people are going to talk because that's what people do. Can we just keep it that real today? Three to four hundred people living in a a four-acre area. We pick up the story, and Mary is a young female, and she's poor. Just the sort of things that in our minds would seem to disqualify her from doing anything special and probably would disqualify her in the eyes of her village for sure to do anything great for God. And in spite of all what seemed so normal, God, like only God can, with a heart full of grace and and an ability to empower us to do the things that He wants us to do, like we talked about last week, comes to her and says, you're part of my plan, just like He comes to us and tells us that we're part of His plan. And as we looked at last week, well, not exactly the same way, right? Uh, The angel told her to not be afraid of that. Not be afraid that there was an angel in her room, but also to not be afraid because God loved her in a pretty special way. Now, God likes to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we've all heard, how many times do you think you've heard the Christmas story? Yeah, nod your head if you'd say lots, lots, lots. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. I am super familiar with that verse. Can I tell you why? Because it was right before we would open presents every year that we had to read this passage of Scripture, and that's the only verse I remember hearing. Because I was ready to open some presents. And so that's how it got started, and we would really have to focus as Dad was reading the rest of the story. Any of you had that too? It's probably Mom's idea, because of all of the hard work to get to that place, uh, she wanted to make it last a little longer because we're about ready to just rip apart all of those packages that spent hours and hours and hours. No, that's not the case. Mom wanted us to read the story. You know why? Because the story is really what it's about. But if we're not careful, we've heard this story so many times that we've become so familiar with it. And even though that was part of our family's tradition to read and still is in our family too, to read the story before we open gifts... There's something significant embedded in that very first verse that we've probably all blown through very quickly that's going to apply to what we're talking about today. Maybe you're more familiar with it in the King James Version. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Why did Caesar do that? Why were people being taxed and why was this census being taken? Why were Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem? And most importantly, is there any way that all of this could apply to our life today? Caesar Augustus makes this decree. As a matter of fact, historians will tell you that his name was really Octavian. and He had a real reputation. He had come up through the ranks and proved himself well and defeated anybody that got in his way. Most of us that know anything about history would agree that at that time, that was the most, imp- uh, most powerful empire in the world, and Caesar Augustus was by far the most powerful man in that empire. <clears throat> the most powerful man in the known world 
which they had pretty much conquered all of it. He was the man. He was respected. He was feared. He was basically, in a lot of ways, worshipped in that empire that he was leading. His Roman government built statues to his likeness, and you've probably seen some statues that were almost worshipped like he was a god almost. History tells us that his vast empire came up with a brilliant plan because he had a huge army, several hundred thousand people, which was a, a really big deal back then. A very elaborate government, which we take some of our principles of government from what they did. Their idea to pay for all of that was taxes. You like that? Some things haven't changed. Everyone in their empire was to be counted so that they could pay taxes. Census were taken and taxes began. So now let's jump back to Luke chapter 2 verse 1. And read it, understanding all of that history. At that time, the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, made a decree that the census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All those years ago, some 2,000 plus years ago, there were two certainties. Death and taxes. Certainties. Listen to what pastor and author John Ortberg said about Caesar Augustus. Perhaps no human being before or after ever held so much control over so much of the world so tightly for so long. There went out a decree, the verse we just read. He just lifted his finger, said a word, and the whole world scrambled to obey. Theologian N.T. Wright said it this way, This man, this king, this absolute monarch, lifts his finger in Rome and 1,500 miles away... In an obscure province, a poverty-stricken couple undertakes a hazardous journey at the whim of a king. Because of a decree, a very pregnant Mary and Joseph head to Bethlehem. It would seem that it was because of this decree. I can guarantee you if there was some way for us to kind of teleport back to that time and have an audience with Caesar Augustus and ask him this simple question, why... Why, Caesar, did Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem? What do you think he'd say? Seriously? You have to ask that question? They went to Bethlehem because I told them to. I'm in charge. And so it would seem. This is all going to be important as we take a closer look at all of the things that were happening this day and how it applies to our life. This history is important. He's the most powerful man in the world. He's calling the shots. He ruled the world. And they're heading to Bethlehem, so it would seem, because he made this order that all would do so. So stay with me here. In Luke chapter 1, now if you just flip back to the previous chapter, the verses that we read last week, so important. In verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, you remember that was Mary's relative, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man, uh, Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Look at verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. 
So let's just review a few of the promises we see embedded into this angelic message. Very important. This angel tells Mary that she's highly favored, that God is with her, that you don't have to be afraid, that her son would be called the Son of God, and that his kingdom would never end. So let's try and recapture the reality of what's taking place in this story. Again, we've heard it a lot. And and your version in your mind and, and in your heart of this story is probably a scene much like the one that we see on your mantle or coffee table right now. But let's remember that historians and theologians would suggest that Mary was about 13 years of age. Does that bother you? It bothers me a little bit. Megan's 13. As a matter of fact, that we were looking at a video that we were considering showing this weekend, and it had a little girl who was roughly 13 years of age depicting Mary trying to modernize or make it more real to us, and we just were like, that just doesn't feel right. I want her to be like 24. But that's not the case. She's a kid having a kid, and she lives in this tiny little village called Nazareth, and everybody knows everybody. And could you imagine with me for a second how complicated relationships got after that angel delivered that message? Complicated relationships with Joseph, with her parents, with his parents, with the village people. So this week I was thinking, I wish the story would have included a few other things, especially from a parent's perspective. It would have been really cool if the story included an angelic visit to her parents. Don't you think? Those of you that are parents, wouldn't that have been nice? That would have made things a little easier on Mary. Or how about to Joseph's parents? Poor guy. He's like, okay, so check it out, mom and dad. Here's the deal. So I know you guys like Mary. She's really great. And so how hard would that be to hear? Or how about, wouldn't it be great if there was just a heavenly host that showed to the village and just said, all right, guys, look, I know you're going to talk amongst yourselves. So I just need to clear it all up before it gets started. God bless little Mary, literally. And here's the deal. Wouldn't that be great? That's not what it says happened. And so there is complicated things in relationships taking place. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, at that time, this Roman emperor, Augustus, decrees that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. We're going to talk about that more in a second. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, another important detail, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Let's review again. The promises given to dear sweet Mary. Highly favored. God's with you. You don't have to be afraid. Your son will be called the son of God and his kingdom will never end. Remember this little Mary, she's broke and she's homeless. Relationships definitely have had some stress involved. And she's obviously pregnant. And there's a stupid census with an even more ridiculous tax. 
most likely at this point in Mary's life, all she wants to do is be with her mom. And probably her mom wants her to be with her mom. But they have to go register. I love the way the King James Version of the Bible charmingly puts it about Mary at this time. She is great with child. You like that? I recommend you give that a try to a pregnant lady sometime. Hey! Great with child, aren't you? How do you think that goes over? That's not a good one. Don't, Don't actually try that. Mary and Joseph likely had fears associated with all that was happening in their life. Did some of you have fears during your first pregnancy? Remember how important it was to read uh, what to expect when you were expecting? Not sure they had that one back then. It's a time of, of lots of questions. It's a time of panic. And for sure, Joseph is worried about his wife and he's worried about this baby. And now they've got to make this trek. And just so you know, from Nazareth to Bethlehem is a four to six day trip by foot. And it's about 90 miles. 90 miles. Pretty rough road. Most historians would agree it wouldn't be until the last five miles that they actually got to be on paved Roman road. We need to stop for a second. See, my wife, she's, she's been great with child four times. And when she was great with child, it was a bad time to take a road trip. As a matter of fact, I've just got to be honest with you that that uh, when your wife is great with child, you're, you're probably afraid of her. And whatever she says goes, right? And sometimes when you're great with child, you have a look in your eye. And it's almost like the look I've seen if you've ever watched a UFC fight. It's the same kind of intensity that you see there. Very important. And so I remember probably the most recent, it was the most recent when, when Megan was born and, and Beth was great with child. And uh, being that it was our fourth child, everything happened really fast there at the end. <clears throat> so we're running to the, to the hospital. Not really, we were driving to the hospital. And we got there and checked in. And they started doing their thing to check in on Beth. And the anesthesiologist, nice guy, he's a really great guy, came in. Dear sweet doctor he was. And Beth, Beth had that UFC look. She knew what she wanted. She made it clear. At first thing that she said, she reminded me of this this week, was this. With that tone of voice, kind of like a UFC fighter, she said, You're not praying hard enough! I'm on it! I'm on it! Right? What she didn't know was that she was already too far along to get an epidural. You know what she wanted? An epidural. And you know what she made abundantly clear to dear, sweet doctor anesthesiologist? I want an epidural. I started praying harder. You know what they should have done? Just pretended. They should have just pretended to put an epidural in. Do you feel it yet? No. All right, just give it a second. Instead, the dumbest anesthesiologist on the planet said to my wife, who was great with child, true story, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. That's what he said. You know what I did? Prayed harder. That's what I did. Prayed harder. She was going to hit him in the throat. 
That's what she was going to do. I want an epidural. And he left to go get his coffee. Left me to pray harder. It's a bad deal. Great with child. I think sometimes we read the story and it's become so familiar that we forget this is her first pregnancy. They're dealing with a lot. They've just taken a tough road trip. And you know, scriptures tell us that they didn't drive a Prius. They don't really say what she, what she rode or walked, whether she rode or walked to get there. Scriptures don't say she was on a donkey, but that class of folks typically would have taken a donkey. This is, this is not good. Mary is great with child. She's tired. She's hanging on to these angelic promises that she's heard. She's scared. She's hurting. And they hit Bethlehem. And, and while I was preparing for this, I want you to see what I saw here. And now comes the straw that could break the camel's back. And this is important because I think we've all been there a time or two. Good verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. This week I've seen that just a little bit different than maybe I've ever seen that before. Can we rewind just for a second? The angel shows up and communicates all these great things. And if you're... In this situation, Mary, first pregnancy, and angels have told you what's going on. Supernaturally, you've become pregnant. Your husband got a chance to talk to an angel, and you've seen all of this stuff happening. And you show up to Bethlehem, and somehow, in the greater scheme of the way all of this worked, somebody forgot to work it out to get you a room. Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever thought about what that must have felt like? What? What do you mean there's no room? I'm carrying the Messiah. Like, there's an angel somewhere that better get fired for this. Somebody got lost in translation somewhere and didn't work out the smallest of, I just need a place to give birth to a baby. This was your plan. And now I'm forced to give birth to a child Whether it was a stable or a cave, we're not sure. We do know it was a place where animals were supposed to be. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you've heard and known the promises of God? Where you maybe have even experienced the promises of God. And over the course of your life, through the things that you've gone through, you've counted on God to do some stuff. And in your mind, if you were God, you would have really worked it out differently. Have you been there? To where maybe you would have said some things like, you know, Lord, I was just counting on you to do this one thing. It doesn't seem to be that tough. And if I were you, I would have done it on the hop. I would have taken care of this. And now I'm asking myself, God, where are you? Is the stuff I've heard and the stuff that I've seen others experience really true? You're with me, God? Doesn't seem like it when I'm trying to Find a place to give birth to this son. Are your promises really real? Do you really care? All I needed was one good job, God. All I needed was that one relationship that I really care about to work out. All I needed was for you to intervene. Take care of that loved one of mine that was sick or my baby that was sick. 
All I needed was for you to, to help my kid or my grandkids come to Jesus. One thing, God. Mary had to be there. She had to have. But you know what else? It gets worse from there. You know the story well. Somewhere within about 24 months span of time, there's this guy, Herod, and he's a paranoid leader, and he hears from the Magi that this king has been born. This Messiah, the king of the Jews, and he's a paranoid leader, so he decides that there's a way to take care of this problem because he doesn't want anybody messing up the Roman Empire. He doesn't want anybody messing up who's in charge. He doesn't want the Jewish people to regain their strength again. And so he decides the plan is to kill all the babies that are two years of age and younger. Mary and Joseph hear about the plan, and so they have to run. Have you ever thought about how that must have felt? 200 miles to Egypt, knowing that the reason this is happening is because of your baby. Living, watching over your shoulder, worried because you know the reality is they want your child to be dead. Or how about this one? How many of you have had your children dedicated in some way when they were born at church? Some, many of you, I've dedicated your kids here. All right, listen to this one. Luke chapter 2, verse 34 they bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And then Simon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. But he will be a joy to many others. And he has been sent as a sign from God. But many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And look at this last sentence. And a sword will pierce your very soul. Thanks, Pastor. Right? Like, I don't think she understood what was being said there at that point. But fast forward a few years. Now your son is in his 30s and he's starting to teach and people mock his teaching. Have you ever had a child mocked? And then he's falsely accused of a crime. Have you ever had your kid falsely accused? Improperly tried, publicly beaten, forced to carry a cross, nailed to that cross, and then he died. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but I think the prophecy of that pastor that day as he was dedicating his child meant something 33 years later. Because we can't escape from the reality that in that moment, Mary's soul had been pierced. She was a mom. Was God in control? Yes, He was. Did it seem like God was in control? No way. I thought I was highly favored. I thought you said you'd be with me. You said I didn't have to be afraid, and that's all I am now. I thought you said He was the Son of God, and more importantly, I thought you said His kingdom wouldn't end. I'll bet it felt like His kingdom ended. Was God in control? 
Did it seem like God was in control? You look at the disciples. Look how they responded. It did not seem like it was under control. So, here's what Mary would tell us today. My main thought. Often no room gives God room. Somebody needed to hear that today. And here's why. In your current situation, you're feeling like this God that you've heard so much about should maybe work some things out that haven't been worked out. And it feels in your life like there's no room. And we need to be reminded today that oftentimes no room is giving God room. I wonder who it is in your life right now that seems to be the most powerful person in the world. Maybe it's your boss and things aren't working out the way you thought they should. Maybe it's somebody else. They're very powerful in your life. I wonder who Mary thought was the most powerful person. Probably Caesar, like everybody else. You know what? I think Caesar thought he was the most powerful man in the world. I love this. Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man, most powerful kingdom, incredible empire. Was Caesar calling the shots? Somebody needs to hear this today. Was Caesar calling the shots? How about if we rewind 700 years before dear sweet Caesar's feet even hit the ground? In Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Again, about 700 years prior to all of this taking place, the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 7, 14, All right then, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I love this. You ready? Was Caesar calling the shots? Hundreds of years before he was even born, before one single statue went up in his honor, Caesar wasn't in control. God was in control. The most powerful man on the planet in all of the known world, are you ready for this? Was a pawn in the plan of our God. That should fire you up today. Because there are times when it seems like other people are calling the shots in your life and they are not. God is in control. He always has been and He always will be. Would He be called the Son of God? Hey, listen for a second. Even if you don't personally believe this, raise your hand if you've ever heard that Jesus was the Son of God. Just do that right now and keep them up. That, my friends, should blow your mind. Look around. We've all heard it. We've heard that before so many times that we've taken it for granted. If you've ever struggled with your faith because you felt that God was supposed to be in control and somehow the wheels fell off the wagon, here we are halfway around the world 2,000 years later and has there ever been ever another baby born that billions of people know or at least have heard of the fact that He was the Son of God? No! No, dude's got it handled. 
And we freak out about the littlest little things, and I get it because I have too. There have been many times in my life personally where I've said, you know, God, it would just so seem that if you could somehow step into this and change things, this is how I think you should. Sometimes little stuff, sometimes big stuff. Sometimes we wish that the job would work out differently. Sometimes we wish that relationships would work out differently. And sometimes we wish that our dad didn't have Alzheimer's. Why, God? It just seems to me that if, that if, you, that if you, you were truly who you say you are, my dad could be sitting here today in a chair understanding what's going on. I felt that when I heard the words from the doctor. When he told me years ago that I had cancer, I'm like, really? What? After you catch your breath from that, you ask yourself, God, what, what are you doing? I don't understand. We've all been there. If you've ever struggled with your faith, because you felt that God was in control. And if God was in control, situations would definitely be different. If you've ever felt that, you're not alone. In fact, I guarantee you, the mother of Jesus no doubt felt that way too. But oftentimes, no room gives God room. He always has been and He always will be and currently still is in complete control. The kingdom of Rome? Seen any pictures lately? Didn't work out so good. You know what I love most about the pictures all around Rome? All the crosses. All the crosses. Caesar? Well, his only operational palace left is in Las Vegas. <laughs> There's no room in the inn. This baby that we celebrate was purposely born in a humble manger, but he's enthroned in our hearts and in our lives and in this world. There are houses of worship on every continent that we know. Yes, yes. Even when we wish it would work out differently or in our minds we think it should, his kingdom is never going to end. And no matter what, no matter what you go through personally, no matter what you're feeling today, no matter what you're experiencing today, even when it might seem like he's not in control, friends, listen. He is in control. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? Maybe this is the first time that you've heard this. Maybe you've heard it many times before. My prayer this week is that it would be fresh, that would impact our hearts and it would change, this story would change the way we live our lives. And so if you're here today, and this is the first time that you've heard this story, I believe you're here with purpose today. And in this moment, you have a chance to respond. Because the gift of this child that was sent, that we celebrate this Christmas, was a gift with your name on it. And maybe today, for the first time, you realize that it's time to unwrap this gift and ask Him to be the Lord of your life. If that's you in this moment, will you pray this prayer? And you can use your words because it's your heart that matters, but something like this. God, I know I need you. There have been a lot of times when life didn't seem to work out, and truthfully, sometimes I've made a big mess of things. 
I know I've fallen short of your plan, and in this moment, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I realize that that gift that was sent, that son that grew and eventually died on that cross, that all of that was for me. And so today I ask you to help me to make this gift very real and personal in my life today. And Father, for the rest of us, Lord, you know us well. And you know there's times where we need to hear the same things that Mary heard. Sometimes we lose the the touch of the reality of this story because, because we've heard it so many times. We forget that there were real people dealing with real life circumstances, with hearts that were heavy, sometimes panicked. And Lord, many times we look at the craziness that is around us and we look at the circumstances in our lives and we just, we just, our hearts cry out, God, would you please, if, if I were you, I would just do this. And Lord, sometimes when this doesn't happen, we need to be reminded of this story today. Something as simple, a detail. You could have worked anything out, Lord, but we know ultimately this was your plan. And so I pray in the craziness of life that, as Stephen said before, that we would be able to experience you making all things good. That somehow you would turn the messes and you would help us to see, God, some of you at work in powerful ways to to just do the supernatural. When our hearts are heavy because we wish it was different, would you help us to be reminded that you are still in control? And when it seems like someone else is calling the shots and they're messing up your life, Lord, will you remind us that you are still in control? So over the next several days, Lord, as we continue our our Christmas kind of thinking and as we see the lights around us, even the star that lights up above our town, will you just remind us this week that you're in control? We're going to need that. We know Mary did. And we thank you that we can see the rest of the story. That today we would worship that that child whose kingdom will never end. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray.